Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. It's the last week of the year, so let me first start by wishing all of you a very very happy new year and a great festive season. But think about it. It's not so great for business and industry, right? In fact, for the last week, ever since 23rd December, when ICICI Bank's former chief executive and managing director Chanda Kochar and her husband Deepak Kochar were arrested, it has sent shock waves through industry. At the time of the arrest, in fact, on that Friday itself, they were busy sending out invitations to their son's wedding. The CBI decided that this is a time to arrest them on an issue that is as old as 2016, when a whistleblower called Dr. Arvind Gupta put it out on a blog. It was ignored for two years. and then suddenly there was a lot of action and investigation when he wrote a second letter all of us in the media every single media house digital publication has covered it extensively since 2018 here's one link that you can look at on moneyguide okay so 23rd december friday evening unexpectedly suddenly the cbi decides to arrest the two chanda kochar and deepak kochar Remember Deepak Kochan has been arrested before but the extremely high profile and once very powerful Chanda Kochar who broke the glass ceiling for women was one of the first CEOs of a large bank ICICI is the second largest bank so obviously this was big news people thought that the problem was over and 23rd December was just two days before a series of lavish parties were to begin. The first of them was on 21st, 5th December. There was supposed to be a really grand five-star reception on 7th January in Bombay, and all this was going to culminate in a huge destination wedding at a very, very expensive Jaisalmer Hotel in Rajasthan. Now, the five-star wedding was to be attended by India's biggest industrialists and bankers. In fact. some of them were to fly to another wedding in doha on the 13th of jan and then fly on the 14th to the wedding of mr kochar young mr kochar chanda's son flying on private jets and charters all this now is in disarray we don't know what's going to happen so instead of closing 2022 with a series of very flashy parties it ended with shock and all that the sudden action could happen right through the weekend everybody that we spoke to in business and industry had just one question why now what is new now we've all been thinking about it everyone has their reasons but the overwhelming conclusion is just one the timing of the wedding the lavishness of the extravaganza that was planned couldn't have been more unfortunate and unthinking look at the optics okay look at the setup in which this happens congress leader rahul gandhi has done a whole bharat jodo yatra it has been attracting humongous crowds he had just made a triumphant entry into delhi last week with a huge crowd following him and he addressed a gathering from the iconic red fort where he declared that the government belongs to adani ambani widely reported even though the yatra wasn't covered all that much there would have been huge political embarrassment if this wedding had gone on i saw to prove his point 
the inevitable photos, videos, airport photographs of all these celebrities and charters would have made its way to social media, to the newspapers, to the page 3. I mean, that's a page 3 material, right? And it would have shown that industrialists with massive bank borrowing, some of them haven't bothered to repay them, were grooving away at a lavish destination wedding with a discredited banker playing the host. Now, which government is going to like it in a particular situation? This is not the only thing that was happening. My sources say that Rahul Gandhi's point would have been proven by the guest list. Okay, But just a week before that, when parliament was truncated all of a sudden, because of ostensibly because of COVID, you had some questions in parliament. And the Minister of State for Finance, Dr. Bhagwat Karad, in a written response had said, and he had to say, that 10.09 lakh crores in bad loans were written off in the past five years. Okay? Not 70 years ago, not 40 years ago, after 2014. In fact, last five years. And what was worse, the amount recovered from defaulters in that same period was just 1.32 lakh crores, which is less than 13%. Now remember, this government and its supporters and its IT cell very aggressively go after elected representatives also go after anybody who points out to loan write-offs by the government as a bailout, not only to bankers but industrialists, by pointing out that a write-off is a technical thing. We go after uh, the defaulters and aggressively recover money. Really aggressively, 13%. This is something that all of us who write on business and finance have known forever that when things are written off, there is no recovery. But this government has been claiming that, yes, we go after them. So the optics were all wrong in the last week. The government needed to show that something was being done. So just as onlookers were also wondering that you arrested a banker for a commission. But what about the beneficiary businessman? So on 26 December, the CBI also arrested Venugopal Dut. Now, those of you who know Videocon itself is not only a big brand name, but he was once a very powerful industrialist with friends cutting across political parties and a brother who was a Rajya Sabha MP for a while. So the arrest was another big jolt to business and industry because they had been led to believe that Mr. Dut had enough of clout and connections to avoid an arrest. Sure enough, nothing has happened from 2016 to 2022. So there was a sense of complacency. But as I said before, CBI can hardly allege fraud and illegal gratification in the sanction of a dubious loan, but let off the corporate borrower. Now remember, it's not just any old corporate borrower. It's not just a dubious loan. There is, he's a defaulter. And how? At one time, the outstanding loans were 90,000 crore. Just as a reminder, for those of you who don't know, the allegation against Ms. Kochar was that her husband's firm, New, New Power Renewables, had earned a commission of 64 crores for facilitating a loan, massive loan of 3,250 crore from ICICI Bank to several companies of the Videocon Group. Yes, 3,250 was just one part of a massive loan because 90,000 crore doesn't happen without all banks being part of it. Now, New Power Renewables was jointly owned by Deepak Kutcher and Supreme Energy, which was part of the Videocon group. The money went there and then this company was sold off at a trivial amount to Mr. Deepak Kutcher, so it's fully owned by him. So the CBI alleges that this 64 crore was a commission 
for the loans that were arranged and there has been a lot of investigation, one doesn't need to go into it. She was part of the committee that sanctioned the loan, a lot of questions about that. But meanwhile, Videocon is just bad news and bad news. It not only turned into a major embarrassment for the government because total claims finally boiled down to 71,433 crore actual claims. Admitted claims were a huge 64,838 crore which went under bankruptcy proceedings. And scary part is the recovery. Nobody thinks that there is any value over there. In fact, at one stage, Mr. Dhuth had tried to stall recovery proceedings and say, I will pay you back 31,000 crore over a 15-year period. That offer was correctly rejected by bankers because if you had 31,000 crore or even a fraction of it, you would be servicing that loan without turning into a defaulter. So the resolution happened, bids were called and guess what? The only serious bid was from Twin Star Technologies of the Vedanta Group, which offered to pay, hold your breath, 2,962 crore for the group, okay, which is a haircut of over 96%. What is worse is the liquidation value of this group was considered much higher, around 10 to 12,000 crore. And a bidder was only willing to pay less than 3,000 crore. In fact, it was so shocking a number that the presiding officer of the National Company Law Tribunal, which is the bankruptcy court, had made a remark that the bidder was paying almost nothing and operational creditors were forced to accept a total shave or a tonsure rather than a haircut. We've written about this, we've done a video blog, those of you who want to know more can look at it. Now, is this all? Where did the money go? So according to a media report, the video cons had very lucrative contracts in oil and gas and this could fetch another 15,000 crore. Now, if true, why is that not in the picture, not talked about, why are bankers not going off? After it, that's another question. But a former CFO is supposed to have said another 50,000 crore could be recovered, which would ensure that it's not such a total shave or a tonsure, some more money. That is anybody's guess. Why is it happening? Why is nobody going after it? Now, for those of you who believe that the government's declaration that banks would pursue defaulters even after a loan write-off, here's another piece of news. PSV banks had accepted personal guarantees of 11,500 crore from the dudes. Now, what is a personal guarantee? This is personal assets or riches of an industrialist. He offers a guarantee, which means that he's supposed to back it up with that much of assets, houses, property, jewelry, whatever. Doesn't seem to be anything because the whole group is worth less than 3,000 crore. Where is the recovery? And yet banks who are so careless in their lending are being bailed out through the exchequer, public money, which is our money, right? Now, all of this has to come to an end sometime because we have a general election coming up. Just 16 months from now, by May 2024, you're going to have a general election. And these are questions, massive write-offs and potential buyers barely paying 5% of outside, outstanding loans, not even the liquidation value, not just in Videocon, but a whole bunch of them. It is going to come up. It has happened post-2014. And by way of comparison, we're constantly hearing about fugitives like Vijay Malia and Nirav Modi 
Vijay Mallya's total outstanding including interest was just 9,000 crore at the time he went away and he had offered to pay everything. Nirav Modi, who is in a UK jail, is 13,000 crore as compared to, look at Reliance Capital, look at Vijayocon, look at Shrey, look at so many others. Not even the liquidation value can be recovered. So what has been happening in the last so many years and where has this money gone? So I would say or I would ask, was CBI's action politically motivated? Obviously, the investigation agency is going to deny it. So we're going to take that for granted. There's going to be a strong denial. But there are no signs of any fresh findings in the search that preceded that arrest on Friday evening. In fact, the arrest follows the first information report, which was filed by CBI in Jan 2019. The allegations then were forgery, cheating, using fake documents as genuine, hatching a criminal conspiracy. And of course, this loan doesn't seem to be any different even today. On the other hand, Dr. Arvind Gupta, the ICICI whistleblower, who wrote that blog, the famous one, in 2016, has given an interview. He now is a trustee of the Indian Investor Protection Council. So he gave an interview where he said that these three arrests are just the tip of the iceberg. We don't know if Dr. Gupta has any spe specific knowledge about what's happening now, but I just assume that with the CBI having ratcheted up the action so much, he believes that his second letter to the Prime Minister, which was widely reported in 2019, will also receive adequate attention. In that letter, Dr. Gupta had alleged that the SR group had also funded Deepak Kuchar's new power to the tune of a much larger 325 crore. This had been done through the son-in-law of Ravi Ruya. Now, again, these allegations were widely reported in mainstream media. The articles are there for anyone who wants to Google it. Money Life also had reported it. Our article is here. You can look at it. SR group, as expected, it vehemently denied the allegations and there has been no proper investigation at all. So, Dr. Gupta's whistleblower letter, second letter, arrest finally of the main players and Videocon, he says it's the tip of the iceberg. Is it going to go further? Just a little bit of information about the Ruyas. While the Ruyas gave up SR Steel, they were considered the biggest defaulters at that time. SR Steel was possibly sold after a huge legal battle to ArcelorMittal. The group still continues, I mean, it has paid off so many loans, but it still continues to owe money to public sector banks. One particular one is worth talking about. Clutch of banks led by State Bank of India had accepted, again, like the video calling, a massive 13,000 crore personal guarantee from Prashant Ruya and Ravi Ruya. Not for the big SR companies, but for a barely known one called SR Investments. Again, guarantee backed by what? When they finally went to the debt recovery tribunal in Ahmedabad, and I've reported this earlier, Prashant and Ravi Ruya argued that they hardly have any individual assets to cover this guarantee. So which are the bankers that accepted it? No investigation has happened. The recovery looks like a pipe dream and most of the Ruya family is now shifted and based in Dubai or studying abroad. They hardly have a presence in India. Nobody calls them absconding, but they have shifted their headquarters and they are there. It may be recalled that the letter of Mr. Gupta dates back to 2018 when ICICI Bank itself was denying any wrongdoing even on the part of Chanda Kuchak. A lot of water has flown down that particular bridge, so she is now arrested.
An investigation was ordered by ICICI Bank, headed by Justice B. N. Sri Krishna, former Supreme Court judge, and based on his indictment, she was terminated. They are attempting to claw back the benefits that were given to her. So, a lot of things have happened since 2018 when there was complete silence. So, the question that worries big corporate defaulters and industry is whether this arrest is really the tip of the iceberg and just the beginning of a crackdown on all of those industrialists who have, and we know they have, they've continued to enjoy lavish lifestyles of unexplained funding even while the exchequer is bailing out banks at our cost. This is public money which has to otherwise be used for public goods, not to bail out massive corporate defaults. This government is fortunately very image conscious and it is going to act to protect its image. So it will not allow itself to be seen as protecting corporate defaulters, especially in the run-up to the next elections. So this sets the stage for what we can expect in the coming year. 2023 is going to be interesting. People expect a lot of action. But I want to make a small point. While these arrests of big industrialists may give a lot of thrills to people, they may burnish PM Modi's image as an anti-corruption crusader and a no-nonsense person. But let's not confuse those actions with what is happening on the ground for you and me. There is no actual reduction in daily corruption that we face. In fact, in 2014, Mr. Modi had promised a corruption-free government, but by all anecdotal accounts, corruption faced by ordinary people has increased steadily despite substantially higher salaries paid to government employees at all levels. So let us by all means celebrate the fact that the government is serious about recovery. Let's hope they are serious and these arrests are actually followed up by action which leads to money coming into the exchequer, into the government's kitty and court cases end. But let's not forget that for us, it doesn't really make a difference because money has flowed out of the exchequer. If you agree with what I'm saying, share the video, subscribe to us and join the crusade to raise your voice. Thank you so much.